one and welcome to Behold, the podcast where we turn our all-seeing eye to the world of comic book adaptations and try to sort the super from the substandard. Who is we? Well, I'm your host Andrew and as usual I'm joined by my co-host Mick. Hello! And also this episode, because two pairs of hands just simply aren't enough to handle such a giant-sized subject, Graham is back with us once again. Hello! Yes, this is an Alan Moore adaptation, right? Yes, well, sort of. Good, I mean, good. it's not supposed to be. <laughs> I mean, we are basically we're watching a film that is more an adaptation of a comic written by Alan Moore than an adaptation of the comic it's actually supposed to be adapting. <laughs> It's Man-Thing. We've watched Man-Thing. It is indeed Man-Thing. Do you still do that thing where you say, are you familiar with the subject? <laughs> yeah, are you familiar with Man-Thing? I do, but in a bit, Graham. Don't, Have you don't be mixing about the man format thing. of the show. <laughs> yes, I'll be asking you about your firm handle on Man-Thing in a bit. Uh, but first, I need to run through the. This is a 2005 film we're talking about, which are same year as Watchmen. Wait, that's it's... not true. No. Watchmen's 2009. Yes. Same year as V for Vendetta. That's probably what I meant to say. Which is why Graham's on the show. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. You've passed the secret test I put in there for you. <laughs> So yeah, 2005 film, unlike Watchmen, uh, directed this, this by... This week, Behold is being brought to you by Andrew, Mick, Graham, and Andrew's carer. <laughs> Look, it's been a long day involving lots of mashed potato. Funnily enough, I had mashed potato today as well. Andrew's day sounds a bit more close encounters of the third kind. Yeah. <laughs> we really will talk about anything that's not this film, won't we? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> anyway, this is directed by Brett Leonard, the lawnmower man himself. Oh. God, lawnmower man. Written by Hans Rodianoff, writer of Error File Not Found. <laughs> and hold, hold, hold on is that is that the name of an actual thing that he wrote or is that what happened when you typed him into google i mean it could be that if something is written <laughs> but no he's he's done nothing of note this this is the <laughs> including <of> this <laughs> <laughs> and it's based on the marvel character created by stan lee roy thomas jerry conway and Grey Morrow. Is it though? I mean, it's no. It's it's more based <laughs> on Swamp Thing, isn't it? <laughs> right here we go. How firmly are your hands grasped onto Man Thing? Right. Well, here's here's what I know about Man Thing. You know that famous incident when Marvel put out giant size edition of of all of their comics. And they were laughed out of town for putting out a copy called Giant Sized Man Thing. Yes. That's it. That's what I know about Man Thing. 
Right. I mean, I would say then you know 50% of the important details about man things. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that he's part of Marvel's more supernatural um, part of the universe. And in later comics, he's depicted as being the guardian of the nexus of all realities. An important job. Which I believe is up for up for grabs soon. You know, they're, they're posting it on Indeed. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, I guess he's been at it a while. It's probably time for him to retire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Before he turns into an old wizened man thing. Yes. So, yeah. Also, would you like to do a fun fact? Go on, Hugely. I was looking through our episodes... And this is um, episode 71. But then I realised the first two episodes of this were actually episodes of four panel. So this is officially Behold episode 69. Nice. Nice. <laughs> what, what a great... I'd, I'd like to point out, I didn't know that when I suggested man thing. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect you did, subconsciously. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's one of those things where just, you know, the spirit of the man-thing moved through me. Yes. You, you were entered by man-thing, and this is the result. His name sounds like a dick, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you talk about Mick that way? <laughs> oh, it's a regular thing, he'll fire me in a minute. I will, just as soon as we have another regular co-host. Graham's <laughs> <laughs> done two on the trot. <laughs> I mean, it's yours for the second, Graham. I'll fire him in a heartbeat if you want. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's that's the main thing about Man-Thing. The other thing about Man-Thing, as I think we've kind of already alluded to, so you know the DC Comics character Swamp Thing? Yeah. You know how he's a scientist and he's working on a special formula and then he gets attacked and left for dead in a swamp and then mm -hmm. because of the serum and some magical nonsense he gets transformed into a big plant monster. Yeah. Um, that, but if you replace the name Alec Holland with Ted Salas, that's a man thing. It's well, we're not. It's literally like the same origin story. Surprisingly, little of it makes it into this film, doesn't it? Well, the name Ted Salis. Yeah. A swamp. That's it, isn't it? But some vegetation, and that's the detective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, literally all of it. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what you've got. That's it. Yeah. I mean, do you know what I... I thought I was watching? I thought you you know you know sometimes when TV companies do pilots for TV shows that never yes. get shown outside of the studio exec's office, but it's just, it's more of a proof of concept. Look at this. We've made this for fifty quid. If you give us the budget to make a proper series, just imagine what it could look like. Yeah, mm. it really did this... feel like a pilot for a Swamp Thing TV show, didn't it? Yeah, 
Yeah. This, this struck me as like the 50p pilot that someone put together for DC Swamp Thing from 2018. Imagine if you threw millions of dollars at this, what we could make <laughs> in 14 years' time when the effects catch up. I will say that when the effects came, they weren't as bad as I was expecting. I mean, they weren't spawn. They weren't spawn. They also weren't in the majority of the film, which I think might be uh, how they managed to scrape the money together to make them look all right. Well, and of course, um, the the deputy was um, Alex McCoughlin before he made it big as Steve McGarrett on the reboot of Hawaii Five-0. And Rachel Taylor before she made it big as Patsy Walker in Jessica Jones. I mean, Them should, should we, names. before we get too far into it, should I run through a synopsis? I Go can't on. imagine it would take as long as Watchmen, I'll put it that way. Yeah, this one might be significantly shorter. Yeah. So, we open on a group of teens partying in a dark, horrible swamp. Unable to resist the sheer erotic power of the location, two of the teens sneak off to have sex in a rowing boat on the swamp. This is a normal thing to do. <laughs> Only for As one a trainee the... rowing instructor, not recommended. <laughs> I feel like you're one step away from doing that thing that the Daily Telegraph did with... Uh... With Ghislaine Maxwell's bath, where you get two people to sit in it wearing paper cutout masks to prove that you cannot, in fact, have sex in this thing. <laughs> oh no, it's perfectly fo- possible. It's just not recommended because it, it, it upsets the whole balance. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of upsetting that the kind balance, of rowing boat, one of the teens is killed by a mysterious monster who's. I was going to say played by Conan Stevens, but I think he mostly just stands around while CGI happens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the very next day, Australian Sheriff Carl Williams, played by Matthew Lee Neves, arrives on a back lot in Australia with a bunch of other Australians who are all doing their best to imagine what Florida looks and sounds like, but failing miserably. <laughs> Carl is here to replace the old sheriff who has gone missing, along with 47 other people, in a case which, based on everyone else's reaction, is considered a bit of a bother. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, probably due to gators. Yeah, probably. You know all those gators always shoving branches down people's mouths and yeah. growing spores out of the Gaping wounds. Making holes through walls. Those kind of gators. As they do, yeah. Termite gators. They are, basically. Anyway, Kyle also meets another person who is Australian, Terry Richards, as Mick mentioned, Jessica Jones's own Rachel Taylor. Uh, Terry is a school teacher who is part of an activist group trying to save the awful stinky swamp from Australian businessman. <laughs> Frederick Schist, played by Jack Thompson. Um, uh, am I the only one who had to read that sign twice? <laughs> I mean, really, they could drop that S in the C 
Yeah. Hits. It, yeah, Frederick Hits. <laughs> yeah, not clear about that. Yeah, I, I meant the S from the end, but I realise in just saying the S, there's two S's. And not only that, but you also realised who you were co-hosting with. Yeah. And that we will prey on any weakness. <laughs> anyway, the big poo man bought the land off the chief <laughs> of the local Seminole tribe, who is called is still called Ted Salas in this. Just literally, the, just literally, it's the whitest person's name. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then apparently Ted ran off with the money, but we're just going to save a lot of time. Just never paid Ted, instead killed him, and now he's back as the man thing and doing all the murders. Uh, then everyone runs around in the very definitely toxic swamp, yelling each other's names, especially Rodney. Uh, and then <laughs> Then another member of, I guess, the Australian branch of the Seminole tribe, Renee LaRocque, played by the very definitely white Australian Steve Bastoni blows up an oil rig. Uh, Man Thing buggers off, and Carl and Terry have a big kiss while covered in disgusting swamp juice. And that's, that's it. it. Really. Isn't it? Yeah, that's off. it. They'd have been better off in the rowing boat, I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you mentioned that Rachel Taylor plays a school teacher. She doesn't, does she? She plays Patsy Walker. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's the most investigative kindergarten teacher I've ever seen. <laughs> and she has all the clues. And she knows all the key players. And it's a shame. It's a crying shame that a film like this, it's best, it peaks too early. That's the problem with this film. Yeah, I felt like it put in its best work sometime before the film company logos came up? <laughs> well, no. I, you see, the problem is, the very the very best line in this movie comes post-rowing boat sex scene and before the story. Right. It's when they're going through the swamp and the dopey-ass detective, who, please, God, never let him investigate a case that I need solving, turns around to the river taxi driver, Toothless Tim, and says, why is it called Bywater? And gets the response, because it's bad water. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's that, a thing that, that happens. Is, that is the best line in the entire film. <laughs> I also think you delivered that with a better accent than anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Because I was doing some research on this because, you know, it, it's important to uphold journalistic standards when talking about the 2005 Man-Thing movie. We're, we're, we're not on your podcast now, Graham. You don't have to uphold <laughs> anything. Yes. Um, but uh, I found out that Avi Arad's one regret about his time in charge of Marvel films was that he felt he shouldn't have let this one be filmed in Australia. It just allowed the production to get away from him. That's it. I, I, I That's disagree the with problem. 
I disagree with Aviarid on, on that. I think the only problem with Aviarad's time in charge of Marvel movies was that he'd never picked up a Marvel. I don't think he'd even walked into a news agent that sold Marvel comics. I thought he's he was sort of almost as good a hype man as Kevin Feige, except for vastly inferior products. Yeah. I still have happy memories of him talking about how you know he's. Uh, he admits that the Amazing Spider-Man had its story problems, but they've got a really tight script for the sequel. Oh, Avi, did you? <laughs> did you really? Yeah, he just didn't know where he'd put it. <laughs> <laughs> and okay, maybe they didn't though. But what they did have is backpacks, just a room full of backpacks. Some <laughs> of them have got wings. Some of them have got arms. they've still somehow kind of pushed a shared universe out of those backpacks though haven't they they've still kind of got that together yeah i guess that spider-man did appear in a film with dr octopus yep and yeah. is tangentially related to a film that had the vulture in, so it was all worth it. <laughs> anyway, what wasn't all worth it is man thing. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, I, I mean, you've you've given me some tasks to watch in my time on this podcast, but I think this is the first time where I've questioned whether there is a movie here. Howard the Duck is at least a film where stuff is happening. Stuff that I've had to go to therapy to overcome my night terrors about, yes, but stuff. Well, I I think stuff happens in this film. Just very little of it on camera <laughs> and during the runtime. It all happened before times. Yes. All the exciting stuff happened to the 47 other people and the previous sheriff. Yeah, but basically the plot of this film is just a guy wandering in, in like the third act of something else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think what they found was the last third of a Zack Snyder Man thing movie and filmed it. <laughs> I did briefly think you were positing the existence of a new superhero called Zack Snyder Man, who presumably <laughs> has the power to stretch out time beyond anything anyone else could contemplate. <laughs> Zack Snyder Man, I like it. The ability to make a second feel like a year, it's Zack Snyder Man. Anyway, I, I will say... There was one, and only one, single line that I did actually quite like in this film. Okay. Which is, um, there's a character in this who's like a photographer. Oh, yeah. And he is played by Robert Mamone, probably. He's not important, he dies. But before he dies... I mean, to be fair, that... Pretty much 90% of the cast you've described. Yes. But basically the whole film is <laughs> they are unimportant and then they die. Yeah. But the whole point is this photographer is trying to snap a picture of Man-Thing as like a, a Bigfoot type 
this'll make him famous. And as he's running off, he yells, this is going to get me in Time Magazine. And as he's running away, the sheriff just yells after him, Time Magazine went out of business years ago. Ah, yes, yeah. <laughs> and I did think that was genuinely, like, did give me a bit of a chuckle. Yeah, yeah, fair point, well made. That's I don't think I noticed bit. that. I think I'd stopped paying attention by that point. I think but... there are parts of it that are hard not to pay attention to, like the parts where the editor has a fit. Oh my god, this is so... I think it's very just an early 2000s thing, isn't it? Of just every scene transition is just we're zooming through the yeah. we're Oh, that, and that pathetic things. jump scare when he goes to see the teenage girl in the hospital and she's traumatized and she's sitting in the wheel the wheelchair, and then they angle the shots so that she's completely obscured by him, and then she just suddenly jumps out of the chair and grabs him. Amazing, yes. And oh, the best part is, oh, then it just no. cuts to something else. Yeah. <laughs> And the, and the romance between uh, the sheriff and the teacher that comes out of nowhere in about 30 seconds flat. Yeah, I noticed that, uh, I'm sorry, I can't remember either the character's name or the actor's name, and I don't want anyone to fill me in on these. Um, but the sheriff looks like he's been given contradictory directions during mm. the kissing scene, he looks like there's someone off camera going, okay, go for it, but a little less. Pull back. No tongues, 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 tongues. <laughs> and he's just bewilderingly trying to get all of that across somehow. I've got a theory about why he looks like that. Oh? I don't think he's actually an actor. I think he just stumbled onto the set looking to see what was going on. You know, like <laughs> that guy that got interviewed by the BBC a few years back? Yes. <laughs> I think that's what I... He was actually just a local sheriff who just happened to, you know, what's going on here then? What's all, what's all these trucks doing here? I feel like if he was a local sheriff, he would probably have had some sort of human accent. Well, maybe. But, you know, it, as as Andrew mentioned, it, it was shot in Australia. Look at Russell Crowe's accents. <laughs> of course, Yes. <laughs> You know, robbing of Sherwood just outside Liverpool and Bristol. God almighty, if ever a film needed a big fat beardy <laughs> Russell Crowe to flounce in doing a bad Greek accent, this is it, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be out of place, would it? <laughs> no, it would be somehow more authentically deep south than what we've got here. <laughs> Um, and it's one of those where I, I suspect that in 2005, it thought it was treating the, the concept of um, ceremonial um, sacred lands mm. sensitively. <laughs> yeah, there's a big sort of ominous dolly in at one point with very scary music on a dream catcher yes and it's like let me tell you a story when i was at university my friend worked at a new age coffee shop a fact that i thought was hilarious even before i went there and Everything in it looked like the Native American scenes from this movie. Everything was appropriated 
tat. There was always a panpipe mood CD on the soundtrack. There was this weird smell that I thought must be some sort of herb that aided relaxation, but it turned out the drains had just blocked up. <laughs> and what I'm saying is, if you want to give me a sense of of ancient wisdom bleeding through into the modern world you probably need to try a bit harder than a dream catcher which is available from my old university friend's coffee shop for just 19.99 wow yeah i think it also doesn't help that like i mentioned in the synopsis there's this whole thing about how the swamp is oh it's supposed to be this sacred you know magical mm. place i mean except for the scenes when people are like yeah no it's just swampland just sell it to the richos whatever who cares but anyway <laughs> in the scenes where it is supposed to be sacred and important it really does not help that every single shot in this is just look at this horrible bog yeah <laughs> and the, the the other thing that gets me and i, I don't know whether you got this as well grave mm. i say Graham because i know you're an aficionado of the same Over of work as I am. This is going to be a Doctor Who reference, isn't it? It it felt like I was walking through the jungle in the face of evil. (laughs) This wishes it was the jungle in the face of evil. It feels like it's in a a studio. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, that's probably because it was in a studio. (laughs) Well, yeah, but... Because where else are they going to film it? In all the swamps in Australia. <laughs> you make a fair point. You make a fair point. But um <clears throat> I get that they were probably trying to make it feel claustrophobic and stuff. Did anybody actually notice any difference between the dark water and the not so dark water? <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> it was a dark the dark water which was just as well lit as all the other water. <laughs> they could, I also they could love have saved how, themselves like, seconds of runtime by just referring it to as the water. I also love how the dark water is supposed to be. I think whatever Rachel Taylor's character is called at some point says that, oh no, it's it's a maze. You'll never find it without me. And then they walk like three feet to the left and there it is. <laughs> <laughs> but that's true of everything in this film. Rachel Taylor knows where everything is. You know, you want to know where the bad guys are? I'll take you there. You want to know where the the the, the guy who knows all about the spiritual side of things is? Oh yeah, I'll take you to him. Yeah, because he works I... at my mate's old coffee shop. <laughs> I'm basically the rolodex for this town. <laughs> you have to question how someone with an impeccable sense of direction like that ended up in this movie. Like, could she not work out how to avoid it? Well, I I just wonder, 2005, it's before they started ramping up the MCU properly, isn't it? So it's not even like it was like, I'll tell you what, if you appear in this one for $5, (laughs) we'll promise you a role in one of our prestigious Netflix, Netflix series that are coming around the corner. Yeah, 2005 was a strange time for superhero movies because it was obvious that this was a big thing. You know, the X-Men series was running, Sam Raimi had done his first two Spider-Man movies, Batman Begins came out in the same year, 
but it hadn't consolidated so much that you couldn't release a really shonky piece of tat like this. Yeah. You know, this is the same year that Electra came out. Yeah. Oh, Electra. <laughs> one, so one much day. to answer for. Um... <laughs> But yeah, it's. I think the pro. I think the problem is though that you you, because you get shonky stuff like this and pretty much anything else Avi Arid was involved in. Um, you tarnish it, don't you? You you, you kind of lose the potential for anything. I mean, it it must have been like. Ke- Kevin Feige, when he was doing the, the the first few entries in the MCU, he must have been thinking, "Do I do a do I risk a Captain America? Will people remember the rubber ear?" Yeah, yeah. I think the only thing to that I will say in this film's defence: if I bring back Nick Fury, will people cry out for the Hoff? <laughs> <laughs> hey, some of us never stopped. I'm sure Samuel L. Jackson's just a fad man. They'll bring the Hoff back soon enough. I think the thing with this film, though, is I think it's hard for it to tarnish Marvel's reputation because that would mean that someone actually watched it. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, someone must have because someone uploaded it. was Avi Arid, wasn't it? It was Avi Arid, yeah. He's, uh, he wasn't letting it get away from him a second time. <laughs> He uploaded this whole thing to YouTube just so someone will watch it. I, I, I'm, I'm part of the Marvel story too, you know. <laughs> not, not a good part. Oh, actually, speaking of people who are part of the Marvel story, something really weird in this film. Mm. So you had a few characters who were named after comics creators. Mike Plug, who was the photographer I mentioned before, Steve Gerber and Val Mayrick, and they're the people who wrote basically almost the entire original run of Man Thing. Uh, which also in that series, Steve Gerber introduced Howard the Duck. So, see, it's all connected, Graham. Yeah, it but... was its own cinematic universe, <laughs> but anyway, it all makes sense now. So, so they named them after like these characters, I guess, as a tribute. But then they went really out of their way to make the one called Steve Gerber just the most awful, horrible, racist man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you think it's payback for creating Howard the Duck? Maybe it's payback for creating Man-Thing. <laughs> it would be fair to say that the people making this movie do not like Man-Thing at all. No. No, indeed not. Or indeed comics. Or indeed audiences. (laughs) Because ultimately that was my big question about it and the one that I I still can't really answer now that I've watched the whole thing. How were we meant to feel about Man-Thing? Well, yeah, because that's the thing, isn't it? Because he's a bad guy in this, right? Like, yeah, but is people. he? We don't know what his motivations are. He seems to be protecting some kind of sacred land. He's he's the guardian of the Native American sacred swamp, who also kills a lot of Native Americans yes. and needs to be 
defeated. But yeah. by defeating Man Thing, you save the swamp. God, God, it is like but he's a guardian isn't it? <laughs> Just... it's, two, it's 2005. I am protecting the Native Americans. It's 2005. <laughs> I am killing the Native Americans. <laughs> <laughs> it is 2005. I am protecting the swamp. It is 2005. I am danger in the swamp. <laughs> it is 2005. I am in the dark water. Isn't it light in here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the problem is just the film doesn't have any internal logic to it. Like at one no. point, one of the characters definitely mentions oh, the, the man-thing, you know, we've angered him, and so he's decided as retribution, he's going to kill, and I quote, everyone. But then at the end of the film, they destroy the oil rig in the swamp, which, let's just ignore that. <laughs> and then he just goes away. Yes, yes, he does. It's like, if, yeah. if he only cared about, you know, destroying that why not destroy that in the first place why kill like random teens yeah why not single-handedly focus your energies on killing people connected to the oil rig i yeah. mean let's let let's be honest there must have been some kind of copyright entanglement that meant that that oil rig wasn't owned by Roxon. I mean, that, or do you really think Avi Arad knows who Roxon are? Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. True. Because um, he sure as hell doesn't know who Man Thing is. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the killing of the team, that seemed like random. It sets you up for what the film thankfully does not deliver, which is a very very dated slasher movie about... Yeah, almost like Scream 77. Well, well, not even like Scream, like the stuff Scream was kicking against, yeah. like, you yeah. know, the Friday the 13th sequels when by the time they'd accumulated so many people were having to brainstorm what they were going to call the 13th one. That kind <laughs> of either of slasher movies. Yeah. The ones I left behind. I never touched yeah. those ones. Because it, it does have that classic slasher movie thing of so the monster that kills people is in the swamp. Maybe don't go in the swamp. Yes. Even yeah. before you know, if 47 people have disappeared in the swamp, just, just don't go near it. So ba this... basically, basically this... you could summarise the, the synopsis of this film as like the sheriff walking into the office, going to the deputy and going, um, what's all this then? And the deputy going, uh -huh. Of course, if this film was an 80s slasher, it would actually be called Don't Go in the Swamp. And yes. maybe the fact that it isn't called that is why people aren't heeding this helpful advice. I've figured out what Man Thing is. It's the yeah. Snyder Cut of the 1970s public information film, The Spirit of Dark and Lonely Water. <laughs> Except less frightening. Much <laughs> less, less frightening. frightening. Because it put all of Adam back in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
no, it's it's absolutely baffling. Um, and I just cannot make head and tail out of what attitude we're meant to have towards the title character. Yeah, and, and I, I, I don't think it helps that it's not really defined. I mean, it looks like an angry crinoid. Mm. Yes. I'd like Could there's only. another kind of crinoid. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it there's a certain iconic look to Man-Thing in the comics, isn't there? Could have fooled me, but keep going. Yeah, no, in the comics, he's got like a very pronounced brow, hasn't he, that sort of comes down and, and almost ends as like a, a pigtail coming down the face. And then there's yeah. a, a central proboscis. That looks and like that... a big turnip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered where he was going then. But but that is what Man-Thing looks like, and he looks like quite a sympathetic character, doesn't he? He looks quite sorrowful just because of the shape of that. Yeah, yeah, because that because he's got those droopy eyebrows, it does make him look like basically like a sad basset hound or something. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, I'm, I've googled it now. And 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 that that look is there through all the various comic and animated and even the in the Werewolf by Night um, piece that we reviewed the the other week. That is a standard look for Man Thing. This looks like it might be a generic swamp monster. Yeah, and well, the reason for that is because it is. It's, it's yes. Like, it's like someone's left one of those choir welcome mats out in the rain too long. That's <laughs> well, well, there is actually a specific problem with the, the design of this man thing, oh. which is the man thing that we see in the film isn't what was originally supposed to be on the screen. Like the idea is like that kind of big lumpy monster you see, that was just a suit they made essentially as a reference to say, right, the monster's going to be like this big and this wide. And then the uh, original idea was that they were then going to CGI over that with the actual like Man-Thing monster. Uh, but then all that budget got cut. <laughs> uh, credit where credit's due. I don't think it looks bad. It just looks, as you say, incredibly generic. It makes it look far more like a Swamp Thing ripoff than yeah. even a, a Swamp Thing ripoff like Man-Thing should look like. Yeah. Unless Swamp Thing is a Man Thing ripoff. Is that the way around it goes? It's normally the other way around. Um, I can't remember. I think, to be fair, the thing with Swamp Thing and Man Thing is they basically debuted within like a month of each other. Wow. And also, both of them are a ripoff of a character from the 1950s called The Heap. Right. The Heap. I want The Heap. I want The Heap, the movie. <laughs> Maybe just... Yeah, it's kind of it's one of those interesting kind of comic book history stories. Is apparently Jerry Conway, who made Man Thing, was college roommates with Len Wein, who made Swamp Thing. <laughs> so it seems very much like it was a one of them probably mentioned like, "Oh, we should do a Swamp Monster at some point," and then both of them decided it was their idea. So no one actually knows who came up with it. Maybe I'd remembered Swamp Thing as coming first because the phrase Man Thing ripoff makes me involuntarily cross my legs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit Lars von Trier, isn't it? 
<laughs> I wasn't expecting that reference when I uh, signed up to review Man Thing on this podcast. <laughs> yes. Maybe I should have watched the entire uncut version of Nymphomaniac Parts 1 and 2 and it would have passed more quickly than this felt like it did. Yeah, God, this was such a and long time. And it's got a, 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 a remarkably short runtime, hasn't it? It's, it's, yeah. It's what, an hour and 23, something like that? An hour and 30? It's, yeah, it's about an hour 30, which by modern comic book movie standards is, you know, you expect it to end with the words and now our feature presentation. Yeah, I mean, it's basically a trailer, let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, it sucks as a trailer as well. <laughs> but, yes, it's... Um... Yes, it, it did offend mine eye. <laughs> I've, I've never seen The Lawnmower Man. I am fascinated by its existence, both because it has the most 90s aesthetic I've seen in my entire life. Yeah. And also, it's a film so bad Stephen King sued to dissociate himself from it. And, you know... His standards for film adaptations are not exactly sky high. That's true. That's true. Um, actually, at the time it came out, I didn't mind Lawnmower Man. Okay. Um, it hasn't worn well. I mean, I think it, it hadn't worn well by the time you watched it on TV three years later. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the main thing it's famous for, isn't it? It's just it's truly shonky 90s CGI. Yeah. Completely, but, yeah. But, in fairness, it's not the worst film associated with Stephen King. There's no. The Lawnmower Man 2. <laughs> yeah. I also, from what I remember, Lawnmower Man is not as bad as this. That's true. Yeah, I mean, Stephen King not wanting to be involved with it isn't that bad a sign, because as far as I'm aware, the only adaptations of his work he doesn't like are The Lawnmower Man and arguably the greatest horror movie ever made. Yes. So I bet he likes It Chapter 2. <laughs> that tells you all you need to know about the man. <laughs> anyway, spe speaking of other directors, mm. you know a weird thought I had while watching this. I had a, a weird thought do about we... another director watching this, but yeah, you, you go oh, first. Hold yeah. on, do we really want to know about the weird thoughts you had watching Man Thing? <laughs> Some of them have been about Lars von Trier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th this one isn't as bad, but basically. That scene when Sheriff Lockie Woodson is in the <laughs> diner and just, I think it's one of the weird gator people just comes up to him and starts rambling on and some nonsense. And just the way it's like this weirdly edited, just completely nonsensical, every character's entire lines of dialogue are just non sequiturs 
<laughs> I feel like if any of that had been done deliberately, it would basically be an episode of Twin Peaks. Yeah. <laughs> but one thing that did come out of some of those things, I really want a polished, boiled crocodile head. Or gator head. I don't know why. But you but you're gonna bile them real good. That sounded, that, that sounded precisely mid-Louisiana, Australia. That is the best recreation I can imagine of what this film's accents sound like, listeners. <laughs> My weird thought is I, I, was, I was sat watching this and trying to think, as I often do when I'm watching a bad film, you know, what director would you get in who could really make this sing? And I think it's got to be Herzog, right? Oh, Werner Herzog's man thing. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with, with Herzog, you would ask him at a story stage, all right, Werner, do you want man thing to be a completely justified, morally upright guardian of nature, or do you want it to be a monstrous force for destruction that just tears people apart for fun? And he would just go, yes. <laughs> right. It makes me sad to think of better things than this. <laughs> on, the, have... on, the, on the plus side the next episode could only be an improvement I mean you say that but and I am aware that we're getting towards ranking time it is, it, it ranking, is not a, ranking a man thing right <laughs> uh, but I'm yeah it's not the worst thing it's called naked attraction <laughs> But it's 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 shoddy, but it's not the worst thing I've watched for the podcast. It's just the most absolutely clearly made by people who do not care. Yeah. Well, I would say mostly made by people who do not care. I feel like one of the you can't even give me... it points for trying because they didn't. Yeah. See, I feel like the, the people who did like the special effects for all the murder victims, those actually look really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just oh, there, there was actually a shot where corpses. There was a shot where Man Thing got shot by Mister Shit, <laughs> and that's not an easy sentence to say. <laughs> um, where where there's a, a visible hole that then heals, that yeah. was quite well done for the time. And I, I've got to say, I thought Rachel Taylor did. Pretty well at being a convincing performer in amongst a sea of not very convincing performers. Or oh, I say yeah. Swan of not very. I mean, certainly, if if I didn't know who she was and you showed this movie to me and said which of these ones went on to have a career after this, it would not be a challenge. <laughs> I liked the scene where she kicked the sheriff in the nuts. Yes. <laughs> yes. Even though I feel like it then tried to do like a whoops, no, it was just an accident. There was not an accident. No. She very deliberately went just right for the ghoulies. 
<laughs> so you got him right in the man thing. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what this movie was about. That's why the one in the swamp doesn't look anything like Man Thing, because that's what the movie was about. It was yeah, maybe that's now. why the one in the swamp barely appears. That yeah. that would make sense. Basically, it was the uh, the Marvel version of the slap. <laughs> yeah, right. So, Man Thing, a thoughtful drama about male emasculation, number one on the list, <laughs> I guess. Completely. Yep, Cronenberg couldn't have done it better. But yes, I think now it is time to rank it on the big list of films. Okay. Which... Mick, are you going to propose a specialist list for Man-Thing-themed movies this week? No. Good. So, yes, this is our list going from A History of Violence at number one, which we probably don't need to concern ourselves with too much. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't list the other ones in the top, I don't know, five or twenty. <laughs> yes, I think we are looking much closer to the bottom of our list with the Spawn bottom of the murky at swamp. number 48. So, so what I... have we got around that? So, yes, what I'll do is I'll do kind of a run-through of maybe from 40, basically mm. the, the, the ignominious list. So, 40, we have Ang Lee's Hulk. 41, we have, uh, as Mick mentioned earlier, the 1990s Captain America with the rubber ear. Uh, 42, 30 Days of Night. 43, Howard the Duck. 44, Catwoman. 45, Three Death Adam. 46, uh, the other one we mentioned today, Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. 47 is Morbius. And 48 is Spawn. I think it is less embarrassing than Catwoman. Now, how that equates to better or worse is an argument, I guess. Catwoman is something that I will remember for a lot longer than this, just never in a positive way. No. Yeah. And I mean, I guess... I I think the difference between Catwoman and this is that with Catwoman, they were trying. They weren't trying very hard, but they were trying a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, but also, I would say, while this Man-Thing movie is basically a Swamp Thing movie, that's at least a character basically the same as Man-Thing. Whereas Catwoman is definitely not a Catwoman movie, and is not even, like, anywhere near the ballpark of a Catwoman movie. (laughs) (laughs) And the Arad wasn't involved in that, was he? He could have just gone into the wrong office one day. It's possible. <laughs> yeah. It's not like he'd like... have noticed. Yeah. Ma- Marvel, yes, that's spelled D C. Or maybe it was just in the general vicinity and it's just like kind of an aura he puts out. <laughs> <laughs> the miasma of Arid. Yeah. Or, or he just walked in and got, is this where they're shooting the uh, the comic book movie? Yeah. All right. Okay. That'll be my office then. Yeah, basically, just like how all who know fear burn at the touch of the man thing, all who want to make a comic book film like melt away at the touch of the Ariarid. (laughs) 
Okay, so it's it's above Catwoman. Um, what's directly above Catwoman? Uh, well, that is how well, to do there, it. There's a Actually, there's a leading a, question. A good metric. Oh wow! Right. Okay. Um, you know what? I think that the big stunt work finale of the end of Howard the Duck is better than anything in this. I would nestle man thing snuggly between Howard the Duck and Catwoman, which is probably a scene in the director's cut of Howard the Duck. <laughs> it probably is. <laughs> uh, God, now all I can think of is the first scene in Man Thing, but instead of a random one of the first In a boat. In a boat. Oh yeah, that'll be the weirdest aspect of this scene, won't it? The boat. But yeah, I'm happy with that because I feel like Howard the Duck. I mean, it tries, doesn't it? It does. It's memorable. It's it's an experience. In a way that this isn't. Yeah, this. I I had a worry before we started recording that had I actually watched Man Thing. I'll tell you what. It, it it it's the superhero re- least likely to get a ride named after it. At- Universal Studios. <laughs> Come on, kids, ride aboard. No, no. Hop on board the man thing. <laughs> yes. So, yep, that's number forty-four, man thing. It's a bad film. Got I, I felt. There were definitely areas where it could have been improved. Were there the ninety minutes between the opening credits and the closing credits? <laughs> Essentially, yes. All the closing credits—they were jarring. What was that? I think I, my brain had shut down by then. It was like it, which I thought would have been quite fitting. It, it kind of closes the, the film closes, and everybody goes home. Well. You know, the four people that are left in Bywater go home happy. And um, you got this like gentle sort of tinkly music, and then it goes into some kind of grunge anthem. <laughs> right. Quite jarringly. It's like, whoa, where did that come from? Yeah, I mean, I definitely just closed the tab down the second it faded to black. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only music you mean you didn't choice... hang around you didn't hang around for the post credit sequence <laughs> the only music choice I remember is uh, the one that introduces the sheriff where he has this absolutely appalling butt rock song going on about freedom over it and it's just <laughs> a, a perfect storm of absolutely unacceptable aesthetics it's not an it's not a Hasselhoff song, is it? He did it could Freedom. be Hasselhoff. It feels like it really could be Hasselhoff. Yeah, it's definitely what happens when you Google what is like Bruce Springsteen but royalty free. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I I think that's about it from us. If you yes. want to listen to more, you can find all episodes on the feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And you should uh, No, I forgot my words. There's too much man thing. 
And if you subscribe to the show, you'll make sure you never miss an episode. If you want to get in touch, our email is beholdpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at beholdpod. Graham, where am you? My regular podcast birth is Popscreen, the Geek Show podcast about pop stars in the movies, which both Mick and Andrew are semi-regular contributors to. Uh, I also write for the Geek Show, Byline Times, We Are Cult, and Horrified, the British horror website. Lovely stuff. So if you're a fan of any of that, go check that out. And if you're a fan of this show, we'd appreciate it if you left us a review on your podcast app of choice or recommended us to a friend. It's the best way for us to grow as a show and reach new listeners. So that's everything. Until next time, I've been Andrew. I've been Mick. And I've been Graham. So long and thanks for listening. Time for us to put away our collective man thing. Yes, let's put man man thing to bed. Man thing singular, not, not plural. Ha, 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 ha.